It's raining, whoa, it's pouring, yes, Lord. Ha! I gotta get some of the rain. Drugs in right there, look at drugs in. What the hell? No way! I don't know how you don't just fall in love with this remix. I know I have. Oh. That's right, everybody. Season 3, episode 155 of Three Beers In. The one podcast about beer that you only listen to because uh, there are no others that are like it, and this is the best one. That's all I have to say about that. 155, we are drinking Six Point Meltdown, uh, Hazy IIPA. That's how they have it on the can, uh, with Mandarina Bavaria and Mosaic Hops. I am so glad to have you all joining me today. It is Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday, the day of the big game. So Everybody's out there probably right now getting everything ready, having some dip and, and chips and uh, buffalo chicken, hopefully. Uh, it's 3 o'clock, so the game is going to be coming on in about three hours, three and a half hours or so. Ready for the commercials, ready for the festivities. This is an American holiday. And though it's not officially on the calendar as an American holiday as such and all that stuff, it still is in my heart of hearts. That video that you just heard, I will be posting it on the Facebook so you guys know what it is. It's something I have to share with you. So far, it's my favorite video of 2020. So much going on in such a little amount of time. Hold on a second here. I want to take this robe off because it's getting a little hot down here. Yeah. Super Bowl Sunday, I'm having a crazy day today, man. I woke up at about 10 o'clock, had to rush to the supermarket to help my parents out because they had a dead car battery, and then I ended up doing a full shopping and everything like that. I'm all out of whack. I ended up going to Wing World, represent, got me some wings, got the day off tomorrow. Oh, that's so great. So I get to just relax tomorrow, no need to go to work, probably going to be a little hungover. Went to the uh, local stop and shop over here and went to their craft section where there's a mix and match. And let me see if I can ramble off the top of my head what I got. I got a, I got a Namaste from Dogfish Head. Um, what else I got? I think I got a Sierra Nevada Torpedo IPA because I wanted something real hoppy to try to finish with. Uh, I think I got an Oberon uh, uh, Bells Two-Hearted, both Bells. I think I got two Warsteiners, and I think that was it. I may be missing a beer there, but nonetheless... Got a nice little cute little six-pack for me upstairs. And along with it, I got those wings. It's going to be a wonderful, wonderful Super Bowl Sunday. If you, uh, A lot of people don't have any skin in the game. Um, me, personally, what was my prediction? I wrote it down here because I had it on the on the sports podcast. We have a sports podcast now. Well, it's a sport podcast that I do with a buddy of mine. And uh, it's Hot Hand Sports. If you're interested, there's a Super Bowl preview. Um, <clears throat> I wrote here for the prediction... Uh, my buddy who's a Niners fan said 34-27 Niners. It's going to take that over there. And uh, I did the Chiefs 44-21. I think they're going to take over the game with that crazy offense. I think they're 
going to figure out that defense and have it already figured out pretty darn quick. I think guys are going to step up. They're going to be ready. I mean, this is a great. It's going to be a really good Super Bowl, in my opinion. I think it is because uh, you got a really great defense against a really great offense. And uh, a lot of people are pointing to this obscure fact that the Niners' offense is actually a little bit better. But guess what? Patty Mahomes wasn't there for three games, so shut your mouths. Here we go. Um, what was I going to talk about? So check this out. This week at the Staten Island Ferry Terminal. So I've been taking the ferry now lately because I realize how much money you could save. just by I'm adding maybe 20 minutes to my commute, tops, right? And I'm saving an absurd amount of money by not taking the express bus in and out of work. So, you know, I've been taking the ferry boat lately. And I noticed that people treat you a lot differently when you take the ferry. You get these weird looks from people that take the express bus because you're on the same you're on the same bus stop with people that take the express bus and they kind of look at you with pity. And and some some with pity, some with disgust, because you're just a commoner that takes the boat. And I'm just you know, got my head down. But nonetheless, um the Staten Island Ferry Terminal haven't been there in a, in, a, in a little while. It has now become a homeless shelter slash psych ward. Um, I don't know if the policy is to, you, you know, I think the policy is you can't remove those people. You can't do anything with them. They kind of just have to remain. And uh, unfortunately, the result is the other day a man ripped off, and this is not an exaggeration, with his bare hands, ripped off the head of a pigeon uh, because, and this is the best part, <clears throat> Not that the, you know, ripping the head off of the pigeon is the best part. This is the best part. He claimed that the reason that he ripped the head off of the pigeon, killing it, mind you, dearly, uh, you know, obviously, was because it owed, it took, it took his last 75 cents, right? That's, he blamed the pigeon for taking his last 75 cents, and because of that thievery, he killed the pigeon. Now, it sounds funny, it's crazy, but there was a video circulating on the internet over it, uh, all over Facebook where there's just a bloody pigeon carcass on the floor and this man is standing over him just being like, yep, I did it. And, um, and, and you know, it makes you think, like, what if there's, I mean, you don't want a kid to see something like that. You don't want anyone to see that. And it's just, it's terrible. It's awful. A lot of people, like, initially be like, that's no big deal. It's just a dead pigeon. But no, it, it's disgusting. It's terrible. What if he grabbed a kid and and like tried to rip the kid's head off? I mean, it's just ridiculous. But nonetheless, this is what I'm exposed to now with the especially with the outbreak of the coronavirus. Now, this is gonna sound a bit controversial, but I have to put this out there. I see a lot of people walking around with masks on. And I think to myself, are you wearing the mask to protect me? Or are you wearing the mask where you know something I don't know? You're wearing this mask to protect yourself. I'm actually considering getting one because of how highly contagious this disease is. Let's go to a little bit of detail about this disease. It originated in the Wuhan province of China and is now spreading, I think, to almost every single continent. And we have a, a confirmed case, a, possibly conf a possible confirmed case in Bellevue Hospital at the time of this recording. So it, it's getting everywhere. There's human-to-human -human transmission of it. Um, it is not that deadly from what I'm reading. I mean, unless it's a very poorly regulated um, uh, healthcare system, not so much first world. Like in China, you have your first world facilities for sure. And then there's a lot of China. So it's a story of, two, it's, it's a tale of like two countries torn, right? You have a billion people in China that are in the first world. And then you have a billion that just are not, right? They're in the third world or second world hospitals and stuff like that. They're not equipped for 
the, um, the amount of uh, infected. So the only problem I would see here in the States would be because of how contagious this disease is, and I'll get to that in a second, um, the hospitals can become overwhelmed fairly quickly, especially being in a major metropolitan city as New York City. But what I see happening here is there was a, a little tidbit of information I got from somebody, not from somebody, but from a, a Twitter handle of a doctor that works for the uh, CDC, a professor and doctor who works for the CDC, and they have a scale, and it's from 0.0 to, to 4.0 scale of the, basically the the rate of uh, transfer slash how contagious it is, basically. So SARS was a pretty big deal, and I think to, in like 2001 to 2003, and it was very highly contagious. A lot of people got it. It was it was very deadly, and it's a very and this virus is a um, version of SARS. So the the contagious rate of that on that scale of 0.0 to 4.0 was 0.8, and it was extremely contagious at 0.8. This particular virus is 3.8. So it's eightfold in terms of like basically the way that this guy put it said you could do full precautions like full like containment and you could still get it like that's how ridiculously contagious it is it can be managed but that's again like i said the the problem is if you have a million people with it right and you do have first world facilities but they can't contain or they cannot excuse me they cannot not that they can't contain but they cannot accommodate that many patients you know, you have to figure they're going to go for the for the most vulnerable, and then that leaves a lot of people that are um, that are just going to be out there on the lurch. And hopefully, if they're asymptomatic or not, you don't know what the result is going to be. So it is a lot more serious than the media and the world is kind of. I mean, there are certain parts of the world, parts of the media uh, that are taking it very seriously and that are trying to get the information out there, but um, it's just not hitting the mainstream right now. But it is quite a dangerous disease not trying to make everyone panic because uh you know that's never a good thing but it is good to pay attention so um three beers in here trying to do our diligence for the community wash your hands uh be careful and consider getting a mask i mean you may look a little foolish not whether you'll even look foolish you might look you know people might look at you different but you're in new york city you're gonna be fine and um guess what you're protecting yourself and your family so i think that's pretty important no but enough with the depressing stuff. Let's get into the hop of the week, shall we? So because this uh, IIPA, this hazy IIPA from Six Point is featuring the, Mandab- uh, the Mandarina Bavaria and the Mosaic Hop, uh, we've covered the Mandarina Bavaria because I know that was the very first hop we covered in the new iteration of Three Beers In, so we are going to move on to the Mosaic. I don't think we've covered that yet, and if we haven't, I'm going to read about it now. I mean, if we have, I'm still going to read it. Mosaic Hop. This is a hop that you see uh, uh, pretty common right now in a lot of uh, a lot of beers. So it's released in 2012 by the Hop Breeding Company LLC. Uh, oh, that's the name of the place. Mosaic hops feature complex but clean flavor characteristics and are known for their triple use profile, encompassing bittering flavor and aroma. Uh, they have high alpha acids uh, but low cohumulone, which makes them pleasantly hoppy, carrying flavors of mango, pine, citrus, and herbs, and aromas of tropical and stone fruits. Uh, Mosaic is the first daughter of Simcoe and Nugget, as, uh, as has been humorously referred to as uh, Citra on steroids. So it's anywhere from 11.5 to 13% uh, alpha acid composition. It is mainly for the bittering and the aroma. And uh, it is quite common. Now I have here another place from kegerator.com. 
they have a bigger uh, readout here, and it gives you a little bit of the history. The Mosaic Hop variety is barely four years old at the time of this article, which was in 2017. Uh, but those four years have, a, have been a whirlwind of growing popularity. Uh, acreage dedicated to Mosaic has seen a 67% increase uh, between 2014 and 2016 in Washington State and a 45% increase uh, between 2015 and 2016 in Idaho, and it is the sixth highest production hop in the United States. Its success is partially due to the craft beer industry's increased interest in aroma and dual-purpose varieties, which is interesting. Uh, Mosaic is a patented variety invented by Jason Peralt uh, through his hop breeding company, uh, Selected Botanicals and Hop Breeding Company, uh, LLC. Jason Peralt and his company... Have a lot of success. He's also responsible for such hop varieties as Citra and Simcoe. This guy is a pretty important dude. Citra hops are everywhere. Simcoe hops are everywhere. And so is Mosaic. So, I mean, this guy, this is one of the unsung heroes of craft beer. So, Jason Peralt, keep him in mind. Uh, This one's for you, Jason. I'm going to take a sip right now. Mm. Okay. So, uh, that's it for the hop. So, Mosaic hop, again, uh, a versatile hop that we see quite a bit in uh, the craft beers that we uh, that we drink currently. So today being the big game here, I wanted to just read a little bit about the Super Bowl in terms of what it means for America. Not so much the game. Everyone knows what the game is. It's obviously the NFL, the National Football League's um, championship game, which is played by the best team of the NFC and the best team of the AFC. But the crazy thing about it is it is an unofficial holiday <clears throat> of uh, these United States. Super Bowl Sunday is an occasion when many families and friends gather together to watch the game, including those who are normally not football fans. Although sports bars have historically been super busy on Super Sunday in the past, it is becoming more common for people to watch the game from home. This is due in part to the increasing size of home televisions in the United States, as well as the attempts of budget-conscious consumers to save money. Because watching the Super Bowl is so popular, stores are often empty during the game, particularly in regions represented by, uh, represented by the two teams playing in the Super Bowl, and water usage drops with significant rises in use during halftime and after the game as fans use the bathroom. So that's it's pretty funny and interesting that they're able to record and see the spikes in water usage during the, uh, the halftime and after the game. Additionally, churches sometimes cancel afternoon or evening services on Super Bowl Sunday, hold football-themed charity drives, or deliver sermons designed to appeal to male members of the congregation. NFL executives have called for a three-day weekend in order to allow fans to celebrate the event, and there is thought to be a loss of productivity in the American workforce on the Monday after the event. And you know what? I could speak to that specifically. I remember last Super Bowl last year, I stayed up to watch the entire game. I went to work the next day, and I checked the fuck out. I mean, let me tell you something. I was so tired and so out of it that I, I regretted it, and I said I will never do it again, that the, the, the Monday after the Super Bowl I will have off, and that is true for to tomorrow for me, so I'm excited. Um, well, the television network carrying the game, either NBC, uh, Fox, or CBS, will usually devote the entire day's programming schedule to the game with extended pregame shows, NFL films, retrospectives of the previous season, and special versions of Sunday morning talk shows, in the morning and afternoon hours leading to the game, competing networks due to severe loss of viewers to the Super Bowl festivities and a gentleman's agreement do not compete against the game. Interesting. 
And they generally resort to low-cost counter-programming such as the Puppy Bowl, which is actually really awesome. I love the Puppy Bowl. I think it's cute. I'm a big dog lover as it is. Lately, it's been puppies versus kittens, which is absolutely precious. What they do is they just put a, a... little astroturf field and little toy footballs and they put them in jerseys it's it's absolutely fucking precious as a matter of fact i want to try to get this podcast done quick so i could go see if there's a little bit of puppy well going on uh now we get to the food because i think this is very important and very fun large amounts of food and alcohol are by the way this is from wikipedia so you can look it up if you'd like large amounts of food and alcohol are consumed on super bowl sunday Duh. The event is the second largest food consumption event in the United States behind only Thanksgiving dinner. And some police departments have noticed a dramatic increase in drunk driving on Super Sunday. That's unfortunate. But some people are very inconsiderate and stupid adults. Uh, Super Sunday food is usually served buffet style rather than a sit down meal. Uh, Foods traditionally eaten on Super Sunday include buffalo wings, chili, baby back ribs, dipping sauces, pizza and potato chips. Many pizza delivery businesses see their order numbers double as roughly 60% of the takeout order on Super Sunday is pizza. Roughly 28 million pounds of chips, 1.25 billion chicken wings, and 8 million pounds of guacamole are consumed on Super Sunday. And I am having all those things? No, I'm only having the uh, the wings because the wings are so goddamn good. It's one of the great parts of Super Bowl Sunday Especially if you don't, you know, follow the teams that are involved. You're able to sit back, relax, watch the game, hang out with buddies and friends, and have a wonderful food time. Now let's see what we have here for the uh, for the beer news, ladies and gentlemen. A little bit... Oh, wait a minute. I'm out of beer. All right, hold on. You know what? I'll do an article and then I'll, uh, I'll go back. All right. So it um it wasn't that crazy of a beer news week. There wasn't too too much, but from what I have here, um I have to make sure that I didn't read this article already. But if I did, I'm gonna read it anyway. This is from the BrooklynPaper.com. Um, a Clinton Hill man has registered beer as his emotional support animal. This is written by Colin Mixon, and I do think that this is absolutely. Offensive and genius all in the same time because you know there's a lot of people out there that get easily offended, but I think this is fucking amazing. Talk about cold comfort. Clever. A Clinton Hill man registered his beer as an emotional support animal last month, hoping the certification will allow him to access public transit in possession of his favorite beverage. I travel from upstate to Brooklyn a lot, and on the bus, they say it's a federal crime to smoke or have an alcoholic beverage unless you have prior written consent. I've always wondered where do you get that consent? Said Floyd Hayes. Not that I'm an alcoholic, he added. As first reported by Ale Street News, Hayes registered his beer as an emotional support dog with the USA Service Dog Registration, which promptly emailed him a registration code uh, 10850708990 that can be plugged into the Nevada-based business's website and reveal additional information about him and his faithful brew. According to the site, Hayes Support Dog, which is listed as, quote, beer, does not require any require any additional training and helps the Clinton Hill resident to manage his social anxiety disorder. I don't mean it in a heady mental health manner, he said. More if you go to a party and want to break the ice. 
The site doesn't list the type of beer, but Hayes says he enjoys seasonal IPAs and likes to drink local, preferring Brooklyn breweries such as Six Point and Coney Island Brewery, uh, although the latter was purchased by Sam Adams. Okay, we read about that. We already know about that. Hayes hasn't tried bringing his beer on the bus yet. He is ironically observing dry January. Uh, this, you know, was from January. It's now February 2nd here. But an employee at the USA Service Dog Registration who declined to give her name was not amused by Clinton, the Clinton Hill man's shenanigans and said that registering his beer with the company would not provide him any benefits. He could register his beer all day long. It's not going to get him anywhere, she said. The worker said that while landlords who don't typically allow pets in buildings will sometimes refer to their registry, it has no legal merit and that anyone wishing to bring an emotional support animal on a plane or place of business requires written medical approval from a doctor under the Americans with Disability Act. Uh, this will not get you into Walmart. Uh, it will not get you into Denny's. It will only protect you where you are renting, she said. As things stand, they are thankfully no. There are thankfully no laws uh, preventing tenants from living with their emotional support beers. Oh, what a clever ending there, sir! But hey, nonetheless, there's a picture of the guy there. He's got a pint of beer and he's happy. He's got a piece of paper with his certificate. Emotional support beer. I might actually try to register uh, for for this as well. So it it just, you know it sounds like um, alcoholism. With extra steps, because now what you have to do is you got to do these, uh, uh, the paperwork. And the fact that he said, I'm not, not that I'm an alcoholic. Yeah. I mean, I understand what you're doing here, man. It's kind of funny. I think it's, I think it's cool. You know, whatever, man. So, uh, another thing here we have, um, El Chapo beer, uh, might come to the, uh, market. USAToday.com has an article here. Uh, that the mugshot of Joaquin El Chapo Guzman, the imprisoned leader of the ruthless Sonola cartel, uh, is not just for police blotters anymore. A Mexican company run by Alejandrina Guzman Salazar, the drug lord's daughter, is awaiting government approval to start selling El Chapo Mexican lager. The price point for a 12-ounce bottle a bottle is 70.10 uh, 70, pesos, or $375, Uh Adriano uh, Iorte, uh, a salesperson for the brand, told Latin America media site uh, Remezical that the beer is a four point is four percent alcohol by volume, made from malt, rice, and honey, and plans to call um, marketing to bars and stock that stock uh, craft beer. His daughter rolled out a few bottles of the fashion trade at the fashion trade so in Guadalajara last week. Salazar offers a closing line. Clothe- oh my God, I'm screwing this shit up. It's the font, I think. Um, A clothing line dubbed El Chapo 701, 701 representing her father's place in the Forbes uh, 2009 list of world's um, richest people. Now, I don't think we have any listeners down in Mexico, but this is something that is pretty interesting and maybe something that I would want to try, but I don't think I would take it too seriously. But, you know, this is a part of the trend right now, the cartel kind of trend, because Narcos kind of like, Really beefed up this. Oh, excuse me. This glorious, glor, glorify, glor, glorification. That's what I want to say. Glorification of this way of life and like how this is done. Like sort of like how we had our Sopranos gangster Italian phase, or you know, and like whatever was in the um, in the media. Not even in the media, but it was on television. Kind of drove the culture. That's kind of what's going on right now. Um, and I and I think that's pretty uh, pretty strange. I don't think I would want 
to um to endorse El Chapo beer. Speaking of beer, I need to go get another one. I'll be right back. Love a good aggressive pour. Um, a little bit off the beer news, real quick. I I think I touched upon this last week, but I'm watching The Outsider right now on HBO. I think they're up to episode six or seven, so there's still time to jump on board. And boy, what a show! I mean, I love it. It's a Stephen King story. I think I I think I talked about it, but nonetheless, I'll do it again. It's a Stephen King story, and he's spellbounding with how he tells his stories and stuff like that. It has taken such a dark and crazy turn. I mean, it was already dark and crazy to begin with. It's getting even more intense and more, like, fun to try to figure out what's going on. And I highly recommend it to everyone out there. I'm also watching um, The New Pope. I watched um, The Young Pope, which was the last season of of this storyline. And again, this is a really good one because it's got John Malkovich right now as one of the actors, and he's really fantastic to watch, and I really enjoy him as an actor and stuff. So those are the two shows that I'm watching right now that I highly recommend. Um, The New Pope, a little more artistic in its presentation. Uh, When there is dialogue, though, it is really impactful and and fun to to be a part of. Um, With The Outsider, it's, it's... Great dialogue as well, and and you just trying to figure out what is going on, which just for me that's that's a fun thing, you know. Once in a while, you get a nice um, mystery story because the last season of True Detective was kind of flat for me, so this is a pretty good supplementation, so to speak, of um, of that uh, of that show, kind of like uh, not giving me its best, so to speak. Um, moving along here with the articles, this is an interesting one from GoodBeerHunting.com. Uh, coming in hot with the cold snacks, how Montucky became the most successful beer brand you've never heard of. This is written by Kate Burnott, and I find this quite interesting. If you're not familiar with Montucky cold snacks, you've missed the memo about beer's biggest overnight success stories in recent years. Founded in Montana, contract brewed in Wisconsin, and boasting a charitable ethos, it gives 8% of its profits back to local charities. Montucky has quickly become a Pabst Blue Ribbon alternative, but with more personality and is being hailed as a -a once-in-a-decade brand for its distributors. Montucky co-founder Brad Zeitner admits it's not the liquid in the cans that has put his business on a rocket trajectory of growth. Montucky sales in grocery, convenience, and other retailers tracked by market research firm IRI exploded. From 742 barrels in 2016 to 14,096 BBLs in 2019, based largely, according to Zeitner, on the beer on the brand's personality, the beer has to be quote good and consistent. He says, but Montucky's success is predicated on quote who we are as a company, the fun, carefree vibe we portray. End quote. That feeling has clearly translated to consumers. In 2019, Montucky's only product, its lager, sold more volume in the IRI track stores than Ohio's Ohio's Mad Tree Brewing and nearly as much as the entire portfolio of Florida's Funky uh, Buddha Brewery. The carefree vibe is evident in the company's name, which combines Montucky, a term used by rural, uh, rural Montanans, to affectionately refer to the backwoods portions of the state. 
and cold snacks, a synonym for what you'd find when reaching for a beer uh, from your fridge. That's interesting. Uh, this attitude suff uh, suffuses the brand's marketing and social media channels by which feature, uh, which feature uh, skiers, dogs, neon colors, memes, Montucky-branded ugly sweaters, and dudes in onesies. Uh, onesies. It's about having fun. Whatever your version of fun is, we want to support that, Zeitner tells GBH. Uh, we're not ta uh, taking ourselves too seriously. We do make fun of our broness, uh, and it's part of the culture, and we know it. The brand began as the brainchild of Zeitner and co-founder Jeremy Gregory in 2012. The pair is based in Bozeman, Montana, originally considered opening a more traditional craft brewery, but as 20-somethings with no brewing experience, they found banks unwilling to loan them $1 million that they were asking in order to buy or build a brewery. Quote, that ended up being a blessing in disguise. Once we figured out that there are people who will contract brew for you, it allowed us to focus on the brand and the marketing aspects of it, Zeitner says. In the light domestic space, that's what it comes down to. That reality flies in the face of nearly all craft beers' message over the past two deca decades, which has touted quality and obsessive attention to brewing details as key dif uh, differentiators from what is derided as fizzy yellow beer. Montucky bet, Montucky bet from day one that quality wasn't consumers' top priority when it came to the general style of light lager. It's meant to be fun, and I believe... I think he's absolutely, they're absolutely right about this. Focus on easy drinking domestic lager was always the plan. PBR, Rainier beer, and other similar beers are staples of the ski slopes and the fly fishing rivers of Montana. What if drinkers had a homegrown beer in that style to call their own? Zeitner says he and Gregory originally set, to create, um, set out to create a PBR rival born in Big Sky Country. If they were able to capture 1% of PBR sales in the Treasure State, they figured it would be enough um, <clears throat> to call it a solid business. Montucky deliberately prices itself to compete with other value-priced beers, sometimes retailing for less than PBR or Bush Light on the shelves. It's suggested real, uh, retail price is $5.99 per six-pack of 16-ounce cans, which is interesting. Which, wow, that's great. The beer is sold in 30 racks, $20 at Costco, roughly $24 anywhere else, and a 12-pack, uh, 10 bucks. 10 bucks for a uh, 12 ounce cam. That, that's really good. The price point is crucial. Ski bums, college kids, fly fishing guides are known, aren't known to flush with disposable, aren't known to be flush with disposable income. And many of them drink macro lagers and feel comfortable with that price point. Uh, but Montucky figured if uh, they, if there were a similar tasting product at a similar price with an independent spirit and more connection to the Rocky Mountain lifestyle, people would have no financial reason not to make the switch. After initially launching in Montana, in 2013, the brand opened up, and other markets started in the spring of 2014, including Oregon, Washington, Northern California, Texas, and Colorado, the latter of which is now, excuse me, the brand's top-selling state and the only market to have Montucky on draft. A really interesting uh, article here. I would, I would love to get my hands on this just to give it a taste. And, to, and it is true. There's a part of the beer-drinking uh you know, community or the beer drinking. So you have your, your macro guys and you have your, 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 your craft guys. And I think that they capture the spirit of craft in a, in a macro way. And I think that's really interesting and fun. That wonderful, smooth music 
that wonderful, wonderful, beautiful piano is an indicator that it is time for us to do the beer review portion of the show. So for this episode 155, I want to thank you all for joining me. Um, I'm sorry that it got harder to read, but this is an 8% and it's, uh, it is flowing. But um, here we are here with Six Point Meltdown, Hazy IIPA, double IPA, with Mandarina Bavaria and Mosaic. And on the can here, it reads, Believe us, the meltdown is really here. It's happening as we speak, even inside the can. We liquefied the solid lupulin sap from, ton, uh, from tons of hops, cones, to extract the juice, changing states of matter to change your state of mind. You can't ignore it anymore. Hop resin is total, now totally saturates the liquid, and a thick haze starts to form. Your eyes aren't playing tricks on you. That's seriously pure hop juice oozing out of the can, enough to melt your face. This unfiltered beer pours super hazy from an un, from an abundance of juicy dry hops. Please keep refrigerated. Now, so this this was canned um, on the sixth of January, twenty twenty. So it's fairly fresh, and um, it comes in these twelve ounce Red Bull like long cans. Uh, and it you know not your typical typical can here. It's it's a, it's an elongated one. It's eight percent alcohol by volume, coming in with a 30 IBUs, and like I said, it, it features the Mandarina, uh, Mandarina Bavaria and the Mosaic. So I cracked one of these bad boys open and I poured it out, and it pours a hazy, pale straw yellowish color. Uh, you get two fingers of head that vanish rather quickly. Uh, it's got lots of bubblies in it, so I expected a medium to high carbonation. Um, it's got a really nice look to it. It's got some nice lacing in the glass. It doesn't have, it doesn't scream juice bomb to you. By the look of it, and so immediately, you're you're a little concerned about what you might get when you uh, when you start diving into this beer. But then I got to the smell there, and you got the passion fruit melon on the nose, uh, a little hint of grapefruit as well. Got a grassy and bright characteristic to it. Uh, it had a very inviting sweet smell to it, like an inviting malty backbone in the aroma. But it had a very tropical smelling bouquet, uh, not too dank. Not too intense. Just an overall pretty decently smelling beer. Just nothing was too overabundant here. Just very tropical in, in, in terms of its uh, aroma. Then we got to the to the taste portion. I'm sorry, that was probably disgusting. Um, tropical, right off the bat. Very very tropical. That that passion fruit comes in in the in the, in the front. That that passion fruit melon flavor. Uh, it's not overwhelming, uh, overwhelmingly juicy. It's a little disappointing in the juice department, if I, if, if I would say so myself. It's got a slightly bitter fi uh, finish to it. <clears throat> so it's an 8.0% uh, uh, ABV, and you could feel the weight of that 8%, but it doesn't really burn. I don't know if that makes sense. Like, it rests there in the, like the back of your throat. Like, you could just... It, and it's kind of heavy on your diaphragm, but you don't burn when you drink it. And that's actually kind of cool. I don't, I'm not saying that that's a bad part about this. I think this actually has a, uh, it's a nice, um, it's a nice characteristic here. It's, it's grassy, it's citrusy, you know, it um, has, has some nice, it has a nice mouthfeel to it. It's not as carbonated as I thought it would be. Uh, it has a bit of like a, 
Pilsner type of brightness bite to it, uh, which is enjoyable. Uh, but I'm waiting to be wowed at the turn, and it just doesn't happen. You know, when you take your initial sip there, you got a tropical bursty melon flavor, that passion fruit flavor is there. And then you're waiting for it to just, to just have a nice sustain in terms of the juice department, and it just never comes through. And like I said, not, not as carbonated as I thought it would be. It just lacks the punching power all over throughout. So no matter where you touch this beer in terms of like the flavor characteristics, it just doesn't punch you. It just doesn't hit you there. It doesn't hit hard at all. Uh, in terms of the style here, it, it sort of checks all the boxes of an Iapa, but it's very underwhelming. Uh, you know, this shithole that I went to charged me $15 for the six pack of it, and I spotted it in uh, Stop and Shop today for $11.99, right? That's just to give you an idea of what the fuck I was dealing with. But nonetheless, even for the $11, I'd probably pass it up. Uh, this beer, and this is the most interesting part. As I was drinking it, I was like, this is a very familiar flavor. The beer is kind of similar and kind of reminds me of Sam 76, which you've, if you've ever had it. Uh, so it's hazy. It's a hazy Sam 76 and not for me, but I'll drink it anyway. But I, and in terms of the score that I'll give it is a, it's a 5.5, which is fair. You know, it, it's, it's not a, uh, it doesn't scream Niepa the way that I know you would want it to do. Like you, you, when you have a new England style IPA, you want to be absolutely blown away by the, uh, the haziness, the juice bomb characteristics. Like you want that sweet, juicy mouthfeel. This has a bitter back end, a dry back end. And, um, it just doesn't do it. Like I said, it tastes like Sam 76. It's a darker colored, hazy Sam 76, which is not a bad beer, but this is one I was expecting. And that's why I kind of give it the score that I give it. I've been drinking them. I had about three now. Mm. I mean, they're tasty somewhat crushable but it just you know i'm kind of looking forward to the six pack that i procured that has some uh that's has some macro in there and some craft uh as well but uh nonetheless i really want to thank everybody for listening to the show this week i really appreciate everyone that does listen in week in week out i hope you guys enjoyed the game i hope the team you wanted to win win i hope that you have off tomorrow which is monday and if you're not and you're listening to me as you're going into work i'm so sorry I hope the show was good for you, and I'll catch you guys next week, guys, okay? Hopefully, Beverage Island will be open by then because I am desperate. Love you guys. Take care, everybody. <laughs>